Hello, and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan Half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 43, and it is our second episode of season two. This week, Brian and I are talking about the concept of foreknowledge and what it means in Scripture. We talk about the plan of God and what are the implications of God's foreknowledge for us as objects of his foreknowledge. This is a super deep topic, and admittedly, we are only scratching the surface, but we do believe it is an important topic to discuss. Before we get started, just as a quick reminder, you can find us and follow us at thebiblebistro.com, on Instagram and Facebook at The Bible Bistro, and on YouTube at Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. And as we mentioned in the last episode, we have also set up a Patreon account, which is a place where if you're enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support us, you can do so. Uh, we've got a link for that in the show notes, uh, but we also have a link to it on our website, thebiblebeaster.com, and there's a button at the top that you can simply click on that says support. Uh, any support you give us would be great, and we're also thinking about a couple options to add some value to those who do support us on a monthly basis. All right, let's jump right in, taking a look at God's foreknowledge and its implications. Hey, hey Ryan. Ryan, welcome back to the Bistro. <laughs> I can, the Bible I, can never, I never know when we're going to have a musical version and when we're not going to have a musical version. So, Bible so let me ask you this, Ryan. This is an important question. It's you said something about, uh, so are we going to have the same theme songs for second season or is it a different theme song? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? If you're listening to this episode, you, you, you know. already know. <laughs> So you're, you're, this is in the past. Your when knowledge, will then be which, now? Interestingly enough, is kind of what we're talking about today is foreknowledge. And <laughs> oh my gosh, this is yeah, so we, meta. We did to do that, and we did that on purpose. This is like the Matrix inside the Matrix. <laughs> what was that one show? What was the one? Oh, never mind. Oh, that one with the guy. With yeah, the, the face? movie about and the <laughs> the. Uh, about I said the one with the guy with the face and you're yeah. like yeah that's the one that's it you know he had the face and the eyes and the ears that's the show yeah no it was a movie but uh <laughs> it was it was about being inside dreams and like the dream inside the dream inception oh old man hickory strikes again anyway there we go so the guy with the face yeah and the dreams. you know Got that it. guy inception Interpretation. That's my interpretation. Okay. All right. So, anyway, enough. Welcome of that. back to the bistro. Welcome back to the so. bistro. Have you had any food today, Brian? Can you tell us about you know what, what you've eaten today? I have not had a bite to eat today. Which are you kidding me? Which may it, it may come out in this. I I get to a point. I'm okay to a certain point, and and I'll say that we're we're recording this early afternoonish, and I usually eat something before we have the bistro. Um, but I have not today. And, and there comes a point where I do okay with that. And then all of a sudden my brain, so this may be not a good episode. We'll see. I, I may have a bad brain day. <laughs> oh would you like, yes. Cause your body requires nourishment. Would you like to stop and eat something now? No. We're Let's see how it goes. All right. Yes. Anyway. All right. So Brian, what are we talking well, about? I don't today? know. You said you wanted to talk about. Well, so there's a big okay. topic, and, okay. and we've we've kind it's of avoided a, it in some ways up to now. We've skirted the issue, but, but there are major ways of understanding Christianity. There, 
not every Christian thinks exactly the same way. And there's a couple of major camps, uh, in, in at least, uh, you know, most of, most of Christianity, uh, and a lot of people, and this is one of the things you, you've wanted to talk about for some time, right? Well, I think it's, uh, uh, yes, I have wanted to talk about it. I think it's an important it topic it to is talk very about, important. um, because I think it has tentacles of implications, <laughs> Is that is that yeah? Is that, it does. It has lots uh, of implications, correct. and we've actually we, you said we've skirted it. So I've talked about my belief in free will, for example, uh, and mm. I, I I've said I don't believe in just an apparent free will, but I believe in in libertarian free will, which is that mm. I can actually make uh, decisions. I can actually choose actions that either are toward God or away from God, and I can do that of my own volition of my own will. That it's not something mm. that uh, has to be. Uh, given to me. Um, and, and so just in, in popular terms, what we usually call the view that, that, that expresses, I don't necessarily like this term, but we usually use Mm -hmm. the term Arminian for it. And the opposite Mm -hmm. of Arminian is Calvinist and, uh, Calvinism. And so there is, uh, kind of, that's one of the major debates in, in Christianity and North America and other places is between Calvinism, or sometimes you'll see it called Reformed theology, and mm-hmm. uh, and what is often called Arminianism. I, I don't necessarily like Arminianism because it's like it's it, it's not exactly the teachings of our Arminians. Of course, Calvinists don't necessarily exactly follow the teachings of Calvin <laughs> right. either. But but um, <clears throat> that's the way we popularly talk about it today. So so. It's yes. a big topic. In fact, I said to one of my former students, I, I said, we're going to be talking about this on the podcast. And, and, uh, you know, he said something like, oh, it's going to be a multi, <laughs> like how many hours are you going to talk about? Yes, it's it? like a multi-year episode. <laughs> a multi-year. Well, and I said, we are planning on kind of talking, not necessarily several in a row, but we're going to have several episodes on it, I think. And, and it'll be something mm-hmm. to, to discuss. Um, but I would say that, that Calvinism is in some ways, um, in popular conceptions of Christianity today, like I'm just talking about it culturally, I'd say many people would understand Calvinism to be the the predominant understanding, the predominant view of Christianity. I don't know what do, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Or um, I think, uh, well, that's a that's a great question. I think it's probably one in the most recent years that's become the more popularly spoke about. Sure. Uh, yeah. properly spoke about. I, I I would think you know I, um, you know I know there's a lot of there's a lot of large churches that yeah. go Popular to that. But writers. you know I've also had convers and I've and I've had conversations with people though that you sure. can you start to explain some of this stuff and you're like, well I don't, I don't believe that right. You know well and 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 that's yeah, I'm not that's no. the other thing is that and I'll say this is true of. of both sides of this issue, I think on a popular level, we don't always necessarily uh, think through all these things to, 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 to their logical conclusions, or we, we don't think we, the implications of like what one thing, and again, this is kind of, we talked about like there's implications and tentacles of like, this is, has, this goes out a lot of different ways, depending on how you believe how. So anyway, what, what I thought we'd talk about today is the idea of free will. I thought we'd start there and there's the, you know, where do you even start with this? Because it's kind of a, uh, and do we want to set up like the, the difference between the two of them? Sure. How would you you describe that, right? (laughs) Simply. Well, I mean, (laughs) I mean. 
Like, well, I mean, there's so many levels to it, but I think for the sake of this conversation sure. is like Arminianism, like we believe that we can do that. We have everyone on the face of the earth has the choice to choose okay. God, that, that, that they can, um, that, that they can make a free will choice towards right. God. And, and, and that, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 say keep, it. Keep going. Say it. Yeah, and I would, and I'm just going to juxtapose because I don't want to sure. go too, because it can get to a lot of levels here. And Calvinism would be like that God has preordained, foreordained from the foundations of the world before any of us right. ever took a breath or blinked our eyes or anything like that. Those who would go to heaven and that he has chose that would be with him in eternity. And then, then also, unfortunately, the, it's not talked about a lot, is the double predestination right. and that there's others so, that yeah, have been chosen has, to not enjoy eternity with him. If God has chosen some for heaven, let's call it, then, then glorification. He has, he has also chosen others for hell. And then you use the term double predestination. The word predestined uh, appears in scripture. So I thought, let, let's start there. Let's talk about, and, and <laughs> kind of the, the word, uh, determine determinism is, is one of the ways that this is talked about. And there's, here's the, pr the problem is these are very philosophical terms as well. And there's a lot of different, as you said, levels, and there's different ways of understanding this. So so mm -hmm. look at Ephesians chapter one. This is kind of where I thought we would start because this is this is one of those passages that's often used uh, to talk about this. And there's a couple of key words here in this passage. Uh, this is the one that you see referred to several times. So Ephesians chapter one. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read? Do you have it there in front of you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and read like three down through about verse twelve. So this is the very opening yep. part of the book of Ephesians. And this is the NIV. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed he purposed, in Christ. Yeah. So oh, it's kind of like he, he willed. That's, that's the only reason I yeah. corrected you there is because that's, that's a pretty no, that's, important. No, that's, that's yeah. it, which he purposed, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his now, glory. That's a lot, I, I know, and this is kind of the introduction to this book of Ephesians. I'll go ahead and say, we haven't. Well, this would be interesting to talk about sometime, but I, I believe Ephesians is a circular epistle. I don't think it's written only to the church in Ephesus, and we can talk about why that's the case another day, but I think it was a circular epistle that was sent to the church churches in Asia Minor, I think it went along with the letters of Colossians and Philemon. Uh, and and Paul took that opportunity to send this letter. In fact, I think, well, I don't want to get too far off. It went to a, bunch, went to a of bunch of people. And so, so he uses these very kind of broad terms to talk about this. Uh, verse four, though, to go back, he chose us. So there's that word chose. And, and sometimes uh, you'll hear people talk about election. And so there's that mm -hmm. idea of choice or, or he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I always say it's important to, to read that whole thing. Um, 
And, and one of the questions, I'll go ahead and hit you with this question and we don't necessarily have to unpack it now, but one of the questions about choice here is, are we talking about the individuals being chosen or are we talking about all of those who are coming to Christ being chosen? And, and that's kind of mm-hmm. one of the ways to, to think about this, this issue or this debate. I always say it's important to read the whole thing. He chose us in himself before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In other words, the choice for us was to be holy, holy and blameless people. And then uh, you see in verse five, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. So there's that idea of, of uh, predestined. And then down again in verse 11, in him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. When I was young, and I'll go ahead and say both of us come from churches and congregations that would have been on the, if we use those terms, Calvinist, Calvin, uh, Calvinist and Arminian would have been on the Arminian side of things. So this is how we were raised. We were kind of raised with this understanding, mm-hmm. at least in a, in a, in a general kind of sense. One of the ways that I would hear this talked about in Ephesians particularly was God ordained or he predestined the plan, not the man is, is kind of the way that, that some people mm-hmm. say this. So Again, you can see this idea of uh, according to the plan that he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In other words, God is working out these things. He's he's uh, ordained certain things to occur, and, and that's that's how these things are occurring. Um, one of the things that uh, one of the criticisms, and I'm just going to try to be very fair here. One of the criticisms that a Calvinist would have toward an Arminian would be that we don't have a high view of the sovereignty of God. Uh, how would you define sovereignty of God, Ryan, or how would you you talk about that? Well, uh, here's what I say about sovereignty. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, that, that God has the power to do anything within the nature of his okay. will. That if it's with, conforms with his character, sure. he cannot go against his character. Right. Um, that he has um, the power and the capacity to 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 exercise right. his will, but that he well, doesn't always. <laughs> okay, that he sometimes chooses not to. So so, yes. sovereignty, though, a Calvinist is going to say that's a low view of sovereignty, and they're going to say if you know, here's the famous R.C. Sproul is one of these. That, that is very famous for this, but he would say, if there's anything in the entire universe that is outside of God's direct influence, outside of his direct control, then God is not sovereign over the entire universe. If there's one, in, in fact, one of the books that I've read that he, he wrote says, if there's one molecule in the entire created universe that is outside of God's direct influence, direct um, control, then God is not sovereign over the, uh, he's not truly sovereign. And so. Uh, like of every moment, like of, of every moment he's exercising, right. of right. everything and every moment he's and, exercising. And we can talk over. about this. And so some people will talk about causal, like, like what's, is he, is that, does that mean that God is causing everything to happen? And and I, mm. I think that that's kind of the, the logical conclusion, it seems to me anyway, of, of having that kind of view of, of God's sovereignty, that, that he is directly responsible then for causing all of these things. And so in some ways, everything we're talking about then flows logically from that. If, if, if that's the case, then yeah, those who are choosing God are choosing them because God is causing them to choose himself. And those who reject God are, are doing so because God is causing them. Now, <clears throat> I, I do want to make a point here when we talk about f- free will, 
that there are many Calvinists who are going to say that that there's a certain kind of free will that human beings have, but it's that's why I always use the I always say libertarian free will, and I know that's kind of annoying, uh, but li- that's that's the term for it. That's that's the philosophical term to say that it is truly the ability to choose either for God or against God. Uh, they would say that that God has divinely determined. Uh, these things that these things that will happen and they would say we have we are responsible uh, we have responsibility for our choice but because of our nature what they would say is we have free will to choose within our nature and they would say because our nature is so totally marred uh so totally um how do I say this? well total total depravity is the term of these we are so totally depraved <laughs> yeah. that that we can only choose to sin that that's all we can choose we have the freedom to choose it but all we can do is is to choose that so that's what when i talk about choosing toward god to move toward god or to say that i that i choose god they would say well that's impossible because i cannot choose against my own nature and they they would mm-hmm. say my nature is sinful uh, we'll talk about that uh, more, and, and they would say completely. There's no aspect of my being, and, and they're talking about an un, uh, un, uh, what's the, the term I'm looking for? An unredeemed person, a, a person that's outside of Christ, reprobate, a, a rep, reprobate, right? A person outside of Christ has has no ability to choose toward God, no capacity, and therefore that everything else falls behind that. Then God has to give us faith. He has to be the one who causes that within us to make us even able to choose before. And so there's this idea right. of a grace uh, that that has to happen before we can even uh, have, faith. have faith. And so so that's that's kind of the 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 upshot of that. And and there's this idea of predestined here. Again, are we talking about individuals that have been predestined either for life forever with God or or the opposite of that, you know, what we typically would call hell, separation, eternal separation from God. Now, I, I want to say this. I always, when I talk about this, people are kind of surprised. Well, let me ask you, so predestined, predestined is used twice here in Ephesians chapter 1. How many times do you think that that word appears in the New Testament? Mm, six. That's exactly correct. Did you look this up? Oh, my gosh. I had Woo! no idea. I want everyone that's listening right now to know Brian did not tell me that. You know what? That's a grace well, there you go. coming right there out of me. Go. There was some kind of miraculous thing happened there. But, yeah, it's used six times in the New Testament. Hope the now, camera caught here's it. what I want to do is I want to look at all six of those uses because I think it's pretty, it's pretty instructive to do this. And there's one that I think is very important. First time it's used is in Acts, book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 28. Uh, here it's talking about, this is uh, Peter's second sermon in chapter four. He talks about Herod and Pontius Pilate and that they, together with the Gentiles, conspired against Jesus. And this is in verse 28, they did, and, and here Peter's kind of speaking to God, they did what your power and will had, this is the NIV translation, had decided beforehand should happen. But literally that's the word predestined, same same word, so that uh, he... Uh, they did, and in other words, what Herod and Pontius Pilate did was nothing more than what God had predestined should happen. Uh, the uh, next work uses are in two two in the book of Romans chapter eight. I'm going to look at those last. But First Corinthians chapter two verse seven is another use of this word. This is First Corinthians chapter two verse seven. Uh, 
And here Paul says, uh, I'll start in verse six. We do, however, speak a wisdom message of wisdom among the mature, not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So this idea of the, uh, what I would call the gospel, the, that which uh, God did in Christ, that that God predestined that. Now, again, if you think of that old saying, that seems that he's saying the plan, what God had destined Planned. was that Jesus should be the one who would become this this wisdom for us. What was unseen before, that's whenever Paul talks about mystery, he's talking about things that previously were unknown that now have been revealed. And so what we couldn't know before now in Jesus has been shown to us, and that is that, is that wisdom. Uh, that we have received. Then you have the two uses that we just looked at in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. We've already looked at those. So the last two uses are in Romans chapter 8, and they occur in in, in two different verses, 8.29 and 8.30. So right in a row, twice this word is used in this passage. And, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this passage of course Romans 8 is just a, a fabulous chapter anyway i mean it's it's an amazing mm-hmm. chapter but verses 29 and 30 are for me really what helps me understand what predestination is about so i'm going to read verses 28 through 30 here and and we know 828s many of you have memorized 828 uh, we know that mm-hmm. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been, and here's that word again, called according to his purpose. For those God, and here's another word we're going to look at here in just a minute, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So those God knew ahead of time, and and again, if you're thinking about an an individual here, uh, the idea is those who God foreknew, he then predestined, okay? Mm-hmm. I always say, look at the rest of the sentence, though. That he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So here's what I would say is that God's plan, again, was that all of those who would come to him would then be conformed. It's really sanctification. They would be conformed to the image of Jesus, that we would we would begin to want the things that Jesus wants. We would begin to act in the way that Jesus acts. That's what his plan is for those who would come to him. So for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay, so he's the he's kind of the model of what we are becoming. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So there's that that idea, again, that those who uh, were predestined have then been called. Uh, for a Calvinist, they're going to say that this was in God's mind before, like you said, before creation, individuals that would come to him. My point is that God's plan is that all of those who would uh, who would come to um, choose him, would come to, to act toward him, would then be conformed to the image of his son. There's one other point. I mentioned this, this idea of foreknowledge. Um, so that word foreknowledge, guess how many times it's that's used in the New Testament? Mm, See how good you are. Uh, eight. No, it's too many. Five. It's used five times in the New Testament. So clearly there's, wah, there's a wah, problem. Wah, wah. 
Okay. Mm. So I'm going to look at all those uses here in just a minute as well, because a couple of those I think are very okay. instructive. But here's one of the questions I think we have to to, to grapple with, in, in my estimation. And, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. So, so does God's foreknowledge result in determinism? So here's how, one way we could mm-hmm. talk about it. Does, does the fact that God knows it ahead of time means that it is there, therefore ordained by God or caused by God? Re- required to does, happen. Does foreknowledge, does foreknowledge equal foreordination is the way that we, we could put it in that. What do you think about that, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, you know, I actually kind of, uh, I don't want to, I kind of wrestle yeah. with this a little it, bit. It's not an easy and, question. And, and in college, and then I, I wrote a, uh, when I was working on my master's, uh, and I know this was, is kind of a scandalous topic back when I was in schools, like open right. theism, like does God's foreknowledge necessarily, you know, if God's knowledge is perfect and he knows that in two years, I'm going to choose A instead of B, right. do I have any choice to choose right. B? And because if I choose B, then God's you know, sure. then God doesn't know the. Let, the, the, let me, so let me it, stop. It just turn into this whole minute. issue for me. Term open theism. I just think we need to go back and just explain that really quickly. Yes. Open theism. There, there, there are some theologians that would say that uh, there's no way to consistently be an Arminian that 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 if God knows it, determinism is necessary. And so, open theism mm-hmm. is an attempt to say that God, this, this is pretty touchy and, and I'll let you correct me because you've yes. probably studied this more than I have. But if, uh, so, so they would say that God is all knowing there, there's no mm-hmm. question about that with open theism, but they would say that God can only know true things. Right. And, and I think that that's yes. a non-controversial statement that mm-hmm. God knows things that are true. They would say that the future is open. That's where the open theism comes from, that it is undetermined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, that God cannot know then, and that sounds funny to say, right? It, it mm-hmm. bothers me a little bit even to say it, but God cannot know things that are that are not yet true. So so there's a way, and 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 they understand prophecy, and they would say that there's ways in which God has uh, kind of a a, a general sense of the way that the plan of his plan was going to work out, but that there were, um, that there's an openness to, uh, his responding, if you will, to, to humanity. And so that's, that's kind of a step even further than what we're talking about with, with what I would call classical, uh, Arminian, um, views of God. So anyway. Yeah. And there, and there was such a problem with this idea for them of a foreknowledge that they would say that God has the power of foreknowledge, but that he limits himself. Like he withholds himself sure. in, uh, in, in order to engage with right. us, you know what I mean? So, so that he can, as we, you know, again, this kind of, kind of, I and mean, this kind does of kind of boggle the mind. Clark- boggle the mind like praying right like if god so in the future if i'm going to be praying for something then god has already acted in the past and so they're saying like well that means god's already decided how he's going to act and you shouldn't pray i mean it <laughs> right. just, it turned into this whole big and, argument and what anyway. i would say and again this is this is there's a lot we need probably need to unpack with this yes. i would say foreknowledge does not uh demand or necessitate forward i i would say that that's mm-hmm. where the breakdown happens and and that just because God knows it doesn't he call, mean that he's, he's, he's willing. He's the it. direct cause of it, just because he, yeah. he knows the future. Uh, there's there's another kind of an interesting view called middle knowledge or Molinism, 
sometimes that would say that God knows all possible futures, not, not only the true one, but God knows all possible futures. And, and, uh, you know, his knowledge is, is such as that, but, but I believe that God, and so here, here's the thing. And, and here's what I would say, our free will, I believe is granted to us by God. So there's a way in which uh, and I believe it's libertarian free will again. I believe that I actually have the ability to choose, but I believe that that is a, a will that is given by him constantly. It's not, it's not an act of he's going to go, okay, I'm going to act in this graceful filled way so that Brian can now choose me today. But I think that there is a, uh, ongoing. Here's what I would say. My free will is contingent upon God's will to give me that free will. Okay. So it's a it's a constant a constant giving of free will. And I think it's the way that he created partly the way that he created us in his image. When God created us in his image, I believe part of what that means is the ability to choose and 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 to to choose against him. And and so one of the questions I think you brought this up was this before uh, uh about how did you want to talk about Adam and his his sin? Yeah, so bring bring that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was that was one of the questions. Um, and you're reading a you're reading you know, a book I, right now. That, I'm reading a book know. right now. Um, I'm reading a book right now called "Does God Love All or Some?" And it was written by someone who was a Calvinist, and um, he was not anymore. Basically, he said, "Like I started reading." He was a Calvinist. He's a preacher still. Was in the pulpit for 30 years, and then realized, like, "Hey, this does not work. Okay. I don't. I don't see this working biblically." And so, one of the big, his big questions was, and he's like, "And I think this is a hard one to answer from a Calvinistic perspective: is how did Adam and Eve right. sin? You know, there is no, there was no other sin for God or other people to influence them. There's only God, right. you know, and there, there is, there is no sin. And so, how did, how did we get to the point where without, if they did not have free will, if they don't have a libertarian free will to either, you know, to for choose him, to remain with him or, him or to, to, to rebel yeah. against him, how do, how did we get And there? I would say, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the tree of life, I, I believe that God placed that tree in, in the garden as a part of the way that he's, he's giving them the ability to choose. He, he he's, and so part of the way that he, he has created us. So now, that's what I'm saying. Then our free will is contingent upon his creative act, and, and I don't mm. believe it's just a one-time thing. I believe it's an ongoing that 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 moment by moment, if you will, he is he is giving us that ability to choose, and so I believe that we can we can really choose for him or, or against him. Adam becomes a big deal in this because we talked about you know f- for Calvinists the idea is. I cannot choose good, and it reminds me of Romans chapter seven, right, where Paul says, "I want to do the good thing," and and yet there's this law at work within me, and so they'll talk mm-hmm. about this idea of sinful nature, which they believe is inherited from Adam. So they would say that in his sin, that that then has been inherited by all of us. That that original sin has come down to all of us. Uh, Romans chapter five is where this idea comes from, verse twelve. Uh, Paul writes there, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. And I'm going to finish the sentence there in just a minute. But but you see, uh-huh. I'm saying that 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 because of Adam's sin, that we have then all sinned in Adam. Uh, and and <clears throat> I haven't mentioned this. I meant to mention this earlier, but uh, you know, John Calvin was a reformer in the 15th century in, in Austria. And, um, 
his views were not original with him, but came from an earlier author by the name of Augustine. We've, we've talked about Augustine before and, uh, and that idea of in Adam, all sinned is one of Augustine's big, big thoughts, big ideas. Uh, but then if you read the rest of that verse, therefore just a sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And this way death came to all people because all sinned. The difference there would be, I would understand that we have all chosen uh, to to follow in his way. We have we have all followed in that path. And, and here's the other thing that I don't think is talked about enough, with one exception, and, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so, you know, Jesus Christ, I believe, and I've said this to you before, I believe shows us not only who God truly is, Hebrews chapter one, that that in these last days God has revealed himself through his son Jesus, but also in Jesus he is revealing what it is to for us to truly be human. So he, true here's a true human who is without sin, tempted in every way as we are, and yet his choice was toward God is the way that I would see that that working. And, and that's what I think Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 5, is he's contrasting the first Adam and then the, the, the second Adam, the Christ, and in Christ, then all are made alive is, is that idea, uh, which interestingly, well, we don't have to talk about that right now, but <laughs> it's it's like you gotta be careful what what door right. you open because so it's much, like here so we much go. to talk about, right? And so we're trying yeah. to trying to just talk kind of kind of keep keep on this idea of free will and, and and determinism. Is it possible for us to actually have an ability to choose toward God? And uh mm-hmm. and that's that's you know, that's kind of what I would say. This idea of foreordination, uh foreknowledge. I said I was gonna look at some of those passages, some of those um I won't take a long time to do this, but Acts 26, five is one for me that was instructive in thinking about this uh, because Paul is talking here and what he says is the Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known, uh, this is the NIV translation, they have known me for a long time. And that's the same word for foreknowledge. They have known me from, from before. So, you see, I think I think we make foreknowledge into this really strong concept, where where I don't know that it should be it should be quite uh, like that. Um, uh, eight twenty nine, uh, Romans eight twenty nine. You've already heard, but Romans eleven two. Paul uses it again there to talk about uh, Israel. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Uh, talking about again Israel, and and I think that's that's one of the things is when we think about on an individual level. And, and and I always say part of what the Reformation did for the most part, there's exceptions to this, but, but it made salvation very much about the, the primary, well, and a, individual. Very about the, the individual. individual, not, not the community. And so when we think about the plan again, you know, all of the, all of those who were going to come to him, God's foreknowledge was that they would be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Uh, and I think when you think about it in that way, which I think is, for me, is a much more scriptural, biblical way. One of the problems in English is um, the words for you in the singular and in the in the plural are the same in English. If I if I'm talking about you and your family, I use the word you. If I'm talking about you, Ryan, I say you. And uh, there are places in Scripture where where Paul is saying all y'all. And I, I knew you were going to say that. Where he's, where he's saying all, all y'all, y'all, 
and, and, yeah. you know, in English, it's just you. And so that's, that's part of the, part of the problem, uh, that we have here. Um, other comments or questions on, on any of that or anything else you wanted? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, when we think about this, it is a mind boggler. Yeah, it sometimes. is. It's not easy. You know, it's, 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 you know, and, and that's what I was talking about. We're going to talk about Calvinism or Arminianism. It's like, you know, we're going to settle something that's been, you know, being debated for, 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 you know, a couple thousand years. Uh, it goes, uh, yes. goes back to the Greeks even. And we're going to, we're going to finish it here on the bistro here. We've got, we're 34 minutes <laughs> yeah. in. We're yeah, going to wrap minutes this up. To wrap pretty, this up. Ten minutes, and you're all going to know what's so, going to happen here. No, I think. It, good. No, I think. No, I, I I like that, especially as you you pointed out the uh, with Acts and that later verses in Acts when that foreknowledge when you talk about like Paul just saying like you've known me for a long time. Like again, I think, and we've had this conversation about the emphasis that we place on words yes. or the things that we place on words. And this kind of goes back even to our last episode. Like, how do we read this? Right. How did the, how were, how was the first century Palestinians right. reading this? You know, coming from Paul, like, are they thinking about, are they thinking about themselves individually or, as a or are they thinking about that? And that, that's as what they would, say. they would say, here's, here's a way that I'm a part of God's covenant community, which, which I think is a good way for us to think about it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, baptism, for example, Paul equates to uh, circumcision. And so that sign of the covenant in the same way we have all been baptized into Christ and therefore uh, salvation then has come to this covenant community, to all of us who are in Christ, uh, right? Not, not in, in individuals. I actually, I, I actually think that helps with a lot of things like, like the idea of uh, losing salvation, which is a part of this whole question as well. Uh, you know, that it's not something that is just a, a quick, you know, uh, in and out kind of thing. You know, I can, I can, lose my salvation or I'm in my salvation, I'm out of it, which is one of the criticisms that you'll, you'll hear, uh, if, mm-hmm. if I have the ability to choose, but it, it's a, it's a matter of being a part of this community. And this community is, is the ones that God is, is, is working to say, I did want to come back. I, I hadn't thought of this, but Romans chapter seven, and this is going to get to a translation issue as well. Um, uh, and, and you know, we, I think everybody likes yeah, those, though. right? They like that we talk. Okay. Well, I mean, not that not that they like that there's a right. problem, but like the, we so talk I, about I use the NIV pretty regularly, and and I use the 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 newer uh, uh, translation of the NIV, and some people really don't like it. It has it does use gender inclusive language, so it'll often say brothers and sisters, for example. There are places like where we looked at earlier that all of those God foreknew, He predestined to be a, uh, adopted. To sunship, you know, to sunship. Still, still use that mm-hmm. term, but but brothers and sisters, for example, those those kind of things, people don't necessarily like. Some people don't like that it's a gender inclusive language, but um, one of the things that they did. So the 1984 NIV is the older version, uh, and one of the changes that they made is, I think, a really good one, and that is in the 1984 um, uh, NIV, the word sarks, which is the word that is tra- should be just translated flesh is translated often sinful nature. Mm, yep. And, and we talked about this. Yes. We talked about like, uh, and the word became flesh. Yes. And you said like, yeah. interpret this as so, sinful nature. So flesh. Yeah. That's when we talked about the blue letter Bible and you can kind of, kind of look at those things. Mm-hmm. But, but the idea of flesh contrasted with spirit is, is what we see throughout Romans chapter eight. Well, I want you to look back at Romans chapter seven. And I mentioned this passage earlier 
So he, he, this is a funny thing. Do you have the NIV there in front of you? Is that what you have? Okay, I so I want you yep. to look at this, and I want, I'm, I'm going to read it. I want you to follow along. Starting in verse 21, this is where I was talking about Paul kind of basically saying, I, I can't do what's right. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, thanks be to God, um, and uh, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then let's look at this last passage. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now, the interesting thing to me is I didn't notice this until just not too long ago. That word, so you have a footnote there. What does that footnote there say? The footnote says, or in okay, the flesh. Okay, and so in this one place, the NIV has held over that that idea of sinful nature's flesh. And, and here's the interesting thing, and this is why I always say the language is important. It's important for us. Blue Letter Bible is important. It's important for us to be able to look uh, behind this because I think that there is a theological reason for interpreting that sinful nature instead of flesh. Uh, and and it's that that understanding that view that there is nothing about me that is able to choose choose the good. I think, and the interesting thing is, if you read the older version, the NIV, throughout chapter eight, it talks about sinful nature. You know, my sinful nature, uh, as in, in contrast to the work of the Spirit. And so, so anyway, I just thought I would point that out. Other things that you want to bring to to the fore? Any comments or questions or anything that you want to? Want to talk about? Uh, this? I know that's a very broad, broad statement. That is a very broad. You know, I I think the thing is is thinking about that the foreknowledge and and again thinking about that that it is not a um causal relationship. You know, I mean, I right. it, you know, and, and again, that's a it's a big philosophical question as well. You know, like that that I've read philosophy on sure. it as well, but kind of going back to this thing of that the foreknowledge and and putting this in the context of a of a plan and not a man you know and i think that's um again i think this goes back to a hermeneutic thing that we've talked about of how do we read scripture what's the, what how do we we look at that and even you know it's like john calvin is he's he's interpreting in a context as right. well and so how do we how do we understand everything that right how this all works together right. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. What, what about the book that you read? Was there anything that you wanted to bring out from it? Or Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, I think the thing is, is um, one of the, the things he talks about is this guy was a Calvinist and, and had been for 30 years is like one of the, the, the ways that a, a Calvinist and um, is it's called compatibilism sure. before we get too far down this path. Um, but basically that given the same past and um, that God gives us the greatest desires of our heart. Okay. And so like how, um, so if I'm going to, I don't know, uh, go to a football game that given that has been ordained by God, by the, the home that I grew up in and like a parent that loved football. And then my friend did this, like, but let's say it's something sinful. Let's say I'm going to, you know, I don't, I'm going to drink too much and drive my car when I shouldn't drive my right. car. And, and I hurt someone. Well, God gave me the desire to, to drink alcohol, but I'm the one that chose then to drive the car. Okay. 
And so like God creates the scenario where he gives me the desire to want to drink too much alcohol, but he doesn't make me choose to drink the alcohol. Um, But the problem is, is I choose the alcohol and I can't choose anything otherwise because God's given me that past and given right. me that those desires previous to that. And so the, the the what the author is trying to say is like com- compatibilism doesn't get away from God just willing everything to happen. Right. You know that like he's foreordaining. Yeah. So everything. compatibilism is, is saying is saying that free will is compatible with this idea of a of a determinism. That's where that 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 term comes from. But here, here's the problem. And just just so just to make it kind of clear, the problem is if. If God is the one who is, you know, as we mentioned earlier, this idea the determinism, he's he's the one who's directly causing all these things, then he becomes the one who's responsible for all of these evil things as well. And that's that's right. Now, but he's not and what they try to right. say is he didn't make them do the evil thing. He's behind them and kind of gave them the desire, but it, it it's a way for them a Calvinist to say like, well, God's not morally responsible. So there's for the free sin. will, but it's a free will to do evil because because we are and you chose it. Right. Now, you won't choose anything right. else than to do the evil because that's where everything's Sin, been kind of... Yeah, you're sinful from you, birth, you, you're, you know, and, and yeah. so there's that, the, there's all that. So that's... You're being funneled down right. to this choice, like, you know, like it's God's funneling you down. And, and so, and, and so with the authors, he's like, you know, like that's still determinism. Like sure. God's still shoving you down a, a down a, a, a hallway um, and you couldn't choose anything other than right. either the good or the bad. And then his problem is always then, he comes back to it as Adam yep. and Eve. And if compatibilism is the thing, like the only God had to want Adam and to Eve sin. to sin, and, compatibilism and, and wanted is the that way to, to enter the world. And I would say God knew it would inevitably. God knew that we would inevitably, inevitably choose that, but that does not necessarily mean that He caused us to choose that, even Adam. And 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 so here's the other the other point. So that that's a difficulty for Calvinism. Here's the other one I think is is for me. A, a big part of this, and and again, I don't want to necessarily get into this right now, but just to point out, I think the problem of evil, uh, and and uh, you know why bad things happen, because that that's kind of where this this lands for people uh, when they have a difficulty with God. Is like if God is good, and He's also, and here's in the popular conception, He's also like like we saw R.C. Sproul talk about, he's responsible for every molecule in the universe, then doesn't that mean that he is the one who causes even the bad things to happen? And so I think mm-hmm. that whole idea, we, the, the technical term is theodicy. Uh, in other words, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we justify God in the midst of the evil that we see in the world around us? So, you know. And libertarian free will answers I, I that think question. I think it helps. I think it helps. Uh, you know, part, partly evil can happen. Uh, because of evil choices that people have made, again, not caused, I would say not directly caused by God, but evil choices. So uh, if someone chooses to kill someone, then, then you know, that's not on right. God, I would say. And, and the other thing is, even with natural forces, that there's a sense in which God has uh, put the universe into motion and that, that there are certain ways in which things continue to happen in that in that way, uh, that, that God is not the one who's, who's directly, uh, affecting every, every last ounce of that. But there is, there is, um, uh, like, like you said earlier that, that he, his power is seen in what he chooses to, uh, exercise his will in and, and those things which are allowed to just continue. We sometimes will use the term permissive will, his, his permissive will, what he permits to happen. 
Yeah, and, and that's always you know why why do bad things happen? And I you know it's it's I don't easy. know why God allows. Right. Yeah, it's not easy. You know, like why did this that thing? I don't know why God allowed it. You know, like I, I you know so that's I instead of me default you know as a Calvinist kind of going well you know as you said like R.C. Sprawl like well God had to be it's not he it's wanted not allowing it but it's cause it's it's causing it's causing it, yeah. it and and in a libertarian you know I think it's still valid question yeah. I mean why it's still it's still something where I'm not yeah I'm not trying to say we don't wrestle with it but yes. but I do think it it's yeah, yeah. a it's a it's a more difficult question I think if um, if we believe that God is the one who's directly causing all things yeah. Well, I think everyone that's listening, <laughs> I think it's solved. I don't think well, anyone should have any questions. And, and no, I think it'd be great if there were questions. And it's it's not an easy yes, it's not I'm an seizing. easy thing. We're we're wrestling with it ourselves God. and trying to think through it. Uh, but uh, you know, I'd say, is there anything that's been helpful for for you in thinking about it for our listeners? Are there are there any any things you'd like yeah. to see us talk about uh, in in related to this as well? Absolutely. You know, and this is a thing that, I mean, I'm still reading books, you know I mean? Like it's, it's never settled, right. you know, like it'll never be, uh, settled the side of eternity, I think. Uh, but it, it, you know, it's like, it's a thing that I'm always challenging sure. myself to, you know, think about this. And I mean, it is a big topic and, um, it goes into a lot of different things. And, um, if you don't like what we said, you know, that's fine. You can flame us. <laughs> Please don't flame fine, us. Whatever. <laughs> don't flame us. I mean, we're nice. I mean, I'll we'll talk to you. Um, but yes, I mean, it, it is a, it is a topic that can bring right. out um, all kinds. Well, thanks of for things. the conversation but, today. Any anything you want to close with today, or any? Well, I just want to remind everyone that we have started a Patreon. Perfect. If you've enjoyed the ramblings <laughs> thus far this season, season two, um, that you know we've got that going on. You can you can find us on YouTube, of course. Um, but I if think it's within your no, nature to give to our patreon oh if god has given you the great <laughs> your greatest desire should be to join us no but it helps us it helps us with what we're doing and uh, the other thing is i'll say you know continue to share uh with people you think that this is a useful mm -hmm. conversation to or uh some of your favorite episodes and and uh, encourage you i, to I got that. one final yeah, question what's for you we've thought about this so what yeah, there we go. That's a good question. Well, and I think I was getting at that when I talk about theodicy. I, I think for me, that's that's a big thing. The other thing is, I think, what does it mean to be human? What's what's the nature of humanity? And uh, you know, e even beyond, uh, you know, scripturally, but also just philosophically, what does it mean for me to be created in His image? What does it mean for me? You know, do do I have the ability to choose, or am I? You mentioned the Matrix earlier. Am I uh, in this kind of uh, you know determined uh, thing that that I, I can only go in certain ways? Uh, but I think the ability to choose the good. I think um, you know the ability to to do those. We maybe talk sometime about one of my favorite verses, and and I meant to bring this up, and we didn't. This this I told you there are gonna be several episodes on this. The the yes. two big examples that people give are are Old Testament Pharaoh. You know, it talks about his heart yes. being hardened, and the New Testament's Judas. Uh, you know, Jesus will talk mm -hmm. about you know the the things that he, he you know were determined essentially. Is is did Judas have a choice? Did Pharaoh have a choice? Um, so those are those are two things. But what does it mean to be human? The other passage I really like with this is Genesis chapter fifty verse twenty. I don't know if you remember that, but Joseph is talking to his brothers there, and and this this to me strikes at the heart of it. I'll, I may, this will be, so this isn't exactly so what, but I think it, it does help us. Uh, but there he says, what you intended for harm, 
God intended for good in the saving of many people. You might remember Joseph's brothers uh, sold him into slavery, three him in a cistern, and then sold him into slavery. Yeah. Um, but he says, you know, and they're worried because their dad's getting ready to die. And it's like, what's what's going to happen to us now? But, or actually, he at chapter 50, he had died. Jacob had died. And so Joseph says to his brothers this, what you intended for harm. So there's there's I think that idea that that they were intending this for for evil, but God intended it for good. So that same action, I think God's sovereignty is such that He is able to accomplish His purpose, even sometimes despite human evil choices, and sometimes even using human evil choices in order to accomplish His purpose. Uh, same thing with I would say what what Peter says about Herod and Pilate, you know, the choices they made resulted in the death of Jesus, which of course was God's plan for the, the salvation of, of, I would say all people <laughs> going back to the mm-hmm. title of your book. And we, we didn't really talk about this, but one of the upshots of this is, is the question of is, is, um, uh, salvation only for certain people is, is, the atonement of, of Jesus limited. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's really what he's with the title of that book. That's the upshot of the question he's getting to. Mm-hmm. I believe God's desire. This is uh, first Timothy chapter two is one of the places we can see this John three sixteen. Uh, but God's desire. First Timothy two says that God wants all people to be saved. Uh, and so that's, that's what I, I really believe that that's, that's God's desire. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, which has lots of implications about how we operate as absolutely. a church. Yeah, and that's that's a so what then. I think the yeah the way yeah. we the way it has missions. You mentioned prayer. The way we pray, uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, you know if if things are going to work out the way they're going to work out anyway, why do we even pray? You know, and so so I think that those are very practical reasons that we have to discuss this issue. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this is a deep end conversation, yeah. and this is just like. Tiptoe in the one, the baby step. Yeah, you know we don't. The uh, yeah, so. we, you know we try to do different kinds of things on this podcast. So if this wasn't for you, don't don't despair. Don't fret. But uh, <laughs> maybe try another yes. one of our uh, episodes. What? This is good. This is good. <laughs> all right. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks so all much right. for joining Thank us, you, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. If you'd like to explore this topic a bit more, we have put together a couple recommended books in the show notes that we think would be beneficial to read. You can find those links at our website, thebiblebistro.com, or in the description of the podcast. Next week, Brian and I will be discussing the atonement and what Christ accomplished on the cross. Uh, Interesting conversation, and we look at a couple different ways that it has been looked at through history. Thanks again for listening and sitting with us at the table in the bistro. We'll see you next Tuesday.